Today is Sunday, October 7th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 283, featuring Brian Robb from the Boston Sports Journal, is brought to you by RX Bar. My listeners get 25% off their first order by going to rxbar.com slash Celticsbeat and use the promo code Celticsbeat. Today's episode also brought to you by ComBomb. Right now, for a limited time, my listeners can get ComBombs at a huge discount by going to their website, buybombshelpmoms.com, and clicking on the Indiegogo page. Hey, what's up? Welcome in. Thanks for finding us again here on Celtics Beat. As always, remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you typically find your podcast. I'll tweet out the shows plenty. I always do. You can get me at Adam M. Kaufman, and we'll have conversations, debates, and whatever we decide to do as it relates to this C's team. And there's lots of excitement coming. And if you leave a comment on iTunes or a five-star rating, I'll be your best friend. And that's something we all crave, right? Now, we have lots to cover. I don't want to waste any time. Any more than I already have, and I don't want to take all day to do it. So let's dive right in. Brian Robb is here from the Boston Sports Journal, old friend of mine from back in the sports hub days. B-Rob, what's up, buddy? Not much, man. How's it going? Good, good. Look, we have a lot to cover, obviously, but the biggest news of the week, maybe of the year, B-Rob, is Kyrie Irving shocked fans at the Garden Thursday night at a season ticket holder event when he shared this. I shared it with some of my teammates, as well as the organization and everyone else in Boston. You guys will have me back if you had any trouble hearing that apologies the quality is what it is after all it was at the garden video phones that sort of thing i think that one came from mark D'Amico of the celtics but Kyrie announced his plans to re-sign with the seas as a free agent next year he has doubled tripled quadrupled down on that and talking with the media including you but apparently he's also more importantly communicated that the commitment in recent weeks to ownership the front office his teammates which i suppose further really explains clears up why he's been so over the top about his love of boston and the team's future potential in recent weeks but are you surprised that he had that kind of mic drop moment because it, it definitely caught people off guard yeah i mean like you said you could definitely notice the just the change of tone and just the willingness to talk about the long term in Boston much more in the last few weeks compared to earlier in the summer or at any point in last season. And so from that standpoint, I mean, it, it is obviously not a huge shock that, you know, this was the direction it seemed to be going based on that. But it is, you know, it's something where he clearly probably felt to himself, being like, I don't probably want to deal with these questions all year long. And maybe he also felt, hey, like, in order to get the most out of the season as a team, like, I don't want this to be a distraction at all. So if I'm comfortable doing this here, comfortable telling the team so they don't have to worry about it, and so I don't have to deal with the media, you know, anytime I'm on a road trip in New York or L.A. or any other part of the country just to, like, have myself and my teammates deal with this, that was, I think, ultimately a big part of his decision here. So now he gets to really focus in on what's here, focus in on the long term. It will be very interesting to see just, again, you know, he won't sign any deal, obviously, till next summer, assuming he falls through on it. But the length of the deal, I think, will be very interesting there. But the fact that he's, you know, reached a point in his life and just his, you know, with both on and off the court that, you know, Boston is a place for him. It's got to feel great for the organization as a whole that, you know, they don't have this hanging over their head. And it kind of helps them with some long-term planning, too, I think, you know, over the course of the next year as well. So I'm not complaining, and I want to make that clear, but even if the plan is there, 
Why publicize it? You know, he's not, as you said, signing an extension now, and who the heck knows what could change between now and July. But while I don't believe he will, if he had a change of heart, that's a, he'd have a hell of a time walking all this back. Oh, yeah. I mean, no question about that. So, I mean, he's pot committed here, and there's just, I mean, a point where, sure, is there a chance he could change his mind? Absolutely. But he's clearly confident to a point where that is not going to happen because of you know the, the nightmare that you alluded to that it would become. So I think you look at it from his standpoint, and I do honestly think that he doesn't, you know, from a publicity standpoint for him, I think it looks good, you know, to just preemptively, you know, come out and, you know, make every, not that he didn't have enough fans in the Boston area already, <laughs> but this, you know, will only make him love the guy more. Like, why not, if you've made that decision, like, why not tell people? Both, again, from a, a fan standpoint, and then just, again, from the, I referred to earlier, the media standpoint. Right, get you people off his back. Question-wise, exactly. Like, all the stories coming out, all the whispers, the rumors from out of market, now you don't have to deal with that anymore, and that is going to be a big factor. Not a huge factor, but I think it's just something that helps him deal with the day-to-day of life, and I can see from it from a player standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, it's nice to kind of you know nip that in the bud. You know, before we do move on in a couple minutes here. I I didn't want to tweet this and irritate the masses after Irving's announcement, but I'll be honest, one of the first things that popped into my head was, what if Kyrie hurts his knee again this year? What then for the Celtics? You know, would they still give him a max extension? And the more I thought about it, they would, because someone would if they wouldn't, and there's no scenario that they would let him walk for nothing with no available cap space to go get another all-star to fill that void. So you're either giving him the contract to keep him or you're giving him the contract to trade him but either way you're gonna pay him so it's kind of a no-lose situation for Irving right and he you know he told us just after practice he you know he checked with the Celtics before he made this announcement both to tell them that hey I'm staying and hey you guys you know you guys want to offer me this contract right, Which, right. of course they told him like yeah I think we want to do that for the reasons you alluded to you know again you this is not like an either or situation you you let Kyrie walk you you don't have that money to sign another fact uh, max free agent but you know as far as the injury goes i mean and of course him personally i am curious to see when it comes to next summer how long this contract will be obviously the celtics everything goes well they'll offer him the full five-year max and you presumably he would take that but you know there are a lot of players in the league that are taking shorter long-term max mm-hmm. recently lebron chief among them kevin durant etc to maximize their flexibility for a guy with injury history like Kyrie, like that might be an iffier proposition you might want to walk up that money long term but at the same time, if he wants to maximize his earnings, he might do something where it's a, a two-year deal or a three-year deal. So, again, he gets the 10 years of eligibility, um, 10 years veteran, I should say. And then that way, the next deal he signs after that is for you know a higher max level, a 35% max, as opposed to the 30% max. So that's something, again, we'll probably find out down the line. It doesn't really matter for the Celtics for now. They know that he's committed or they think they know he's committed. But I think that's the... Uh, I'm actually going to be writing a little bit about it at the Boston Sports Journal in the uh, this weekend, just in terms of what his options are there and what could make sense for Kyrie and what the Celtics might want him to do on that front as well. A writer colleague of yours, Adam Himmelsbach, he put in the Globe some of his thoughts uh, after the fact, after the announcement, and he said, this struck me, some in the organization believe that the opening of the Celtics' new practice facility had a significant impact on Irving's change of heart from the summer when he didn't want to touch questions about his future with a 10-foot pole. You've been there a lot. Does this new building hold more importance than people may realize? You know, we, it's, I think it's tough for the media to get the full grasp 
of just how much, you know, how impressive this place is. Because, you know, we, we got the tour. We saw how impressive it is. But, you know, we don't have to live here. Yeah, you don't free guys, reign of the place. <laughs> exactly. We have a nice, you know, we have a nice media section. It's just, which is pleasant and has couches and such. But the rest of these guys, yeah, it's, you know, this, this is their home away from home. And, or even, honestly, they're, they might spend the more time here than at home during the season. And so, and this, from that perspective, this place has gotten rave reviews from everyone I've talked to, uh, down from the the areas, the, the food people love. They have a, a chef on staff here. And all the way down, just the, the equipment. And you put all that together, and compared to what they had in Waltham, it is just a different world. They talked, the ownership management talked about a lot about recruiting for the future um, when they built this place and then when they opened it over the summer. But, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I think example A right now that, this wasn't just for the future. This is for the right now. And the timing, honestly, couldn't be better because, you know, for guys, for superstars that want it all, they want to, you know, be able to make the most of themselves in a place where they can do it. And the Celtics clearly give them the op- opportunity with this new location. He was at the Forbes Under 30 Summit in Boston going back earlier in the week. And he said, this is probably one of the few times I've been happy playing basketball and being in Boston's made it a lot easier, having a great environment, great organization. So it's been awesome. And that really struck me as one, these are strong words about his happiness here, but also just the fact, imagine being a top 15, 20 player, some would say top 10 and rarely enjoying yourself playing the game. If that's the case, if that was the case throughout much of his time in Cleveland, he could be otherworldly dangerous when we start to see him getting comfortable and and recovered out there this year with Gordon Hayward who he's he's longed one to play for 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 four plus years. Oh yeah, no question about it. And again, you, even just looking back to his last year numbers, Adam, he a lot of his percentages, that was the best of his career and he was doing it on a bad knee for most of the year. So you, you know, he shot 49% from the field, 40.8% from three. Those were both career highs. So you get a year of, you know, comfort in Brad Stevens' system now. You have better weapons around you that defenses are going to be able or should be able to ignore, won't be able to ignore as much in Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and Hayward, obviously. And, yeah, like, and clearly, unlike Hayward, you know, the, Irving's just further along in terms of his progression, understandably so, since he was not out nearly as long as, as Gorman was. But his offense was back. You know, he played 29 minutes in that game against Charlotte on, um, you know, last Sunday and talked his way into staying out longer and was very efficient in that time span. So as long as he maximizes his minutes and I feel like stays engaged on the defensive end, which – we know we could do in spurts last year. There was some slippage there, but that's something that Celtics are really going to need for him to, you know, fully maximize, you know, become the potential 61 team that everyone thinks they're capable of. If he can do that on that end of the floor, I have no question that offensively he's just going to, you know, be perhaps better than ever this year. So aside from just being happy that we can stop talking about the Knicks and the Nets and playing with Jimmy Butler and all of that, after now hearing from Kyrie and just having some time to think about it, any other takeaways that you do have from this situation that we haven't hit on? No, I mean, I just think this is a great situation for what was uh, not a rocky preseason, but, you know, not the best preseason <laughs> um, <laughs> over the first three games in terms of, obviously, Brad Stevens kind of calling over the guys out a little bit. Now everything, you know, there's really no distractions in play now for this team this year. They can, you know, sure, the Terry Rozier could get an extension. Um, there's another couple of minor decisions that could come into play here, but, you know, everyone who's here is going to be here and everyone wants to be here. And so now 
everything and just go full board ahead in terms of what you know this team can do collectively as a full unit for this year. And I, it seems simple to kind of put it like that, but I think that is important. Like there's so much that has gone on behind the scenes for any team on any year, but that kind of drama doesn't appear to be here. There's really no you know storyline for it right now in Boston, assuming all these guys buy into their roles and, you know, become happier with their playing time. So that remains to be seen on that front. But, you know, heading into game one, Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens can just really get the best out of all these guys without having to worry about the outside factors. And given how good both of those guys are at their job, that I think that's pretty good news for this team. We'll get right back to B-Rob. I want to tell you today's show brought to you by RX Bar. In 2013, the founders of RX Bar called BS on the protein bar industry. None of the protein bars on the market really gave you what you actually need out of a protein bar. They were full of artificial ingredients, fillers, preservatives that just flat out aren't healthy for you. That's why RX Bar's are different. Each bar speaks for itself. Right on the front of the package, RX bars are made with egg whites, dates, nuts, fruits, unsweetened chocolate. You know, ingredients that are good for you. And now, they have a whole new line for your kids. As parents, we know the compromise when it comes to what you put in your kids' lunches for snacks, what the kids snack on. These bars, they're a little bit smaller than adult-sized ones. The texture, it's softer. The nuts cut up just a little bit smaller. But each packs the same great punch as the adult ones. Use them as a snack whenever you want. It doesn't just have to be school. It can be after school. Fruit and nut bars... Those are really good. Just perfect balance of sweet and salty. But got to admit, I mean, salted chocolate flavor before bedtime, you, you don't even feel like you need to brush your teeth. It's so healthy. What are you waiting for? Get yours today. My listeners get an exclusive offer. Just go to rxbar.com slash Celticsbeat. Use my promo code Celticsbeat to get a pack of six adult bars and four kids bars for 25% off. It's 25% off your first order by going to rxbar.com slash Celticsbeat. Use my promo code CELTICSPEED. Let's get back to the show. Training camp is still going on. It's a, a weird schedule, but preseason is over. And after that third game specifically, we really heard some strong words from Mad Brad Stevens. He said he couldn't have been more unimpressed with the C's in that first week, especially they're uh, not as good as advertised. And he uttered words, these words here that NBA fans everywhere will disagree with. No shot do we dominate off talent alone. No team does that. You have to play together. You have to play the right way. If you have really good players and they all do that, then you can have a special year. Now, B-Rob, I'm not saying the Warriors don't play the right way, but their talent's pretty damn dominant. Uh, it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, Brad, I mean, I do, but I do still think, you know, the Celtics, for all the talent they have, they are not close to the Warriors in terms of just established talent, established star power. Since those guys have been doing it for year after year after year, the Celtics have a couple guys, obviously in Irving and Horford and Hayward when healthy, but you know Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, we know what they're capable of, but they've only done it for a year. And I think that's um, those comments were kind of maybe you know not directed at them specifically, but the toughest part of being an NBA star is doing it consistently. You know, at least in that first week of the preseason, you know those guys were not uh, consistency was not those guys' strength. I'll say. Well, and and on the whole too, it's not as though the preseason games went particularly well for the team, and that's why you kind of had that Brad outburst after the third game, and guys in the locker room sort of lost and saying they didn't lose confidence, everything will be fine, but still there's a ways to go, and you just can't help think back to media day where. 
you have guys like Jalen, like Jason, like Kyrie, like whomever saying, yeah, we believe we're on that level. We can compete with the Warriors. We can beat the Warriors. And you wouldn't expect them or want them to say anything different. But is there sort of that wake-up call from Brad saying, look, I mean, say what you want, believe what you want, but you need to go out there and back it up. You need to show it because, no, you're not there right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, that kind of outburst from Brad Stevens, that was something kind of preemptively wanting to get these guys' attention. So he doesn't have to come out with that spiel when they start the season with a 2-3 and three record or something like that. And I think, you know, to Stevens' credit, like, there there hasn't been, you know, in those first three games he was referencing, I think maybe they played two or three good quarters, or at least out of the regulars, out of the 12 there. Offensively, you know, there have been obviously a lot of uh, fun flashes from a lot of different guys, but it's also been a lot of isolation ball and a lot of, you know, above the break threes. And I think that's, you know, there isn't been a lot of cohesiveness on that end of the floor. And that's something that needs to be great, particularly if the effort is not going to be there on the defensive end. And that has not, was not there during that stretch. So, you know, you can be one or the other. You, if you're going to go small, you got you better outscore the other guys. And if you're not getting good shots on that end of the floor, then the lackluster defense is going to look even worse. And I think that kind of came to a head for Stevens. Maybe it was, you know, we don't get to see all of the training camp practices as well, but maybe it was just, you know, hey, this is building up and I don't like the habits we're building here. And so we better, we better break it off right now if we, you know, to and get right before the, the regular season starts or else you're going to be in trouble there facing Sixers and the Raptors right out of the gate. Well, and some of the problems, too, just even going into the preseason action, before you saw what they actually looked like on the floor, you look at, you can't help but look at the lack of continuity, you know, guys out as well, each of you know, key members out for the preseason games along the way. A part of it is rust and just getting going. Part of it is instituting new elements to the system, as Kyrie Irving made reference to earlier in camp. You know, Brad put a whole bunch of new stuff in. Uh, you didn't say stuff, but new stuff in. There are just there are a ton of factors. How long do you think it will take for everything and everyone to gel together once the season starts in a little over a week? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely going to take a few you know weeks of the regular season, at least on the offensive end, to really maximize what they are, since we know... Uh, particularly with the, the new-look small ball starting five. Like, they played together, you know, last preseason, but that's been pretty much it. And Hayward is still, you know, he's a guy who's going to, like, need some time to figure out his way just within his own game. And then you throw Kyrie into the mix there. I think we're also seeing in this preseason, like, Tatum and Jalen Brown, like, thinking they're capable of, you know, wanting to show the world that what they've been working on all summer and that they're capable of more. And I think what the focus will have to be for Brad Stevens and for this group to maximize themselves as being like, okay, you know, we all know what we can do individually here, but we need to, you know, put it together to maximize each other's strengths. And I don't think, like, and I think that's why over the course of the, a lot of the preseason, there hasn't been great ball movement. There's been some, like, spots of it here and there, but I think, honestly, it's been more of the bench unit rather than the starting five. And I think when this group does get on the same page on that front, it's going to be, you know, the offense is going to be scary like scary good because there's really no weak points in it but until they get there it's pretty defendable if it's going to be a lot of long twos and above the break threes like that's you know going to be a hit or miss on any nightly basis so once you know stevens wants to see playing within the system and that's going to take a few weeks but you know i think he wanted to crack the whip early here a little bit this preseason and kind of 
get everyone you know focused on that goal more. Something I'm really excited to see when the regular season does get going, and it's relevant to everything you just said, are the rotations. And what do the minutes look like? How is everything broken down? Who plays when? Who's first off the bench? What are the matchups? And a lot of that is going to be game to game, I know. But you're going to see some consistent trends. We always have under Brad. And he acknowledged recently that it's going to be tricky to find minutes for everyone. The guys have to be patient. Obvious statements. But he also said this on Terry Rozier. Yeah, I mean, I just have to figure out how to get him as many minutes as possible. You know, he's, a, he's tremendous. Um, and not only in the way he plays, I mean, you guys all see him in the games, but just the way he goes about his everyday business. He works as hard as anybody on our roster. Um, you know, his immediate energy is noticeable when he's in the game. So, uh, you know, that's just one of those things that is going to be important for our team moving forward. And to his credit, all he's done is come in and work and play. That's all he usually does. You can always find audio on the CLNS uh, YouTube page. You can subscribe there, press conferences, practices, all of it. It's there. So, B-Rob, everything about Terry Rozier fascinates me because he's generally looked great in the preseason, bulked up a little bit in the offseason, like he's been hanging out with Shemi Ojale or something. He markets himself incredibly well, the whole scary Terry brand and now the shoe deal. It's everywhere. But more than that, Brad's comments. Danny Ainge adores him like he's another son. He, he tweets at him, tweets about him. All the while, he is a reserve who's entering a contract year, albeit restricted free agency, but it's a contract year. He may play 25, 30 minutes a night. We can dive into that a little bit, but he is coming off the bench behind Kyrie Irving when he's not hurt or taking a rest night and then no Irving, then sure, Terry can start. But I don't know. I just can't help but think maybe Terry was right when I did an interview with him last summer and he said that Danny would never trade him. It seems like he's going to be here forever. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's possible based on, uh, but it's going to be, that's going to be a very tricky proposition for Danny to deal with, uh, with Marcus Smart also on the books now for four years. And to Rozier's credit, you know, the, the, the best thing he can do is just make life hard for Brad Stevens from, uh, you know, figuring out ways to get him to the game, like the head coach reference there. And from an energy perspective, he's, you know, breathed some life into the offense. You know, throughout the preseason, the team is playing better when he is on the floor. Defensively, saw there he's no Marcus Smart, but he works hard and generally makes is in the right spot. And his rebounding, which kind of helps unleash the fast break since he can just grab it and go, I really think, like, you know, has – help develop an identity for this team down the stretch last year. And I think Stevens wants to see that carry over, especially with the bench and as much as possible here. As far as the long-term with Rozier, I mean, it's going to be fascinating because you, they have until opening night, Adam, to figure out whether they can agree to an extension or not. Mm-hmm. I would expect that's not going to happen. We know Danny Ainge's track record on that front is not the end of the last extension he came to terms with at this point with a restricted free agent to be was Rajon Rondo. Hmm. And that was nearly 10 years ago. And so they almost said it was smart last year, but, you know, smart held off, and that honestly was not a smart gamble by smart at the time. But this year, Rosier's, you know, got more upside than smart. The free agent market next summer is supposed to be much friendlier. And the Celtics obviously have to hand out a lot of money next summer to the likes of Irving and potentially Rosier and other, you know, role pieces on the roster. So I don't expect, you know, them to find the common ground to make a deal. But... That's not to say Rozier won't be back here. I just don't think he'll be back here with Marcus Smart next summer. I think he'll be, at that point, if you're bringing Rozier back, you're probably going to have to move on from Smart separately because I just don't think that financially having Kyrie, Rozier, and Smart on this roster beyond this season 
is uh, is feasible. Goes back to that debate that I, I had on so many shows throughout not only last offseason, but down the stretch of the regular season last year around the trade deadline, that sort of thing, with a lot of different people. Everyone that came on this show, it felt like we were having the conversation. Smarter Rozier, smarter Rozier, who fits better, who's more important, who's going to cost you more down the line. And yeah, that's, that's a decision that, in theory, is still one that needs to be made. Uh, as of right now, they've chosen Marcus Smart because they paid Marcus Smart, but it, it's I contend that's going to be a good contract and one that they could very easily move if they decide to do it and they want to keep Rozier. So you're absolutely right about that. As far as his role, this is what Rozier said, by the way, a few days ago. I don't want to say I have to be patient. I just say I got to be ready. You know, uh, you know I'm going to be uh, coming off the bench, stuff like that. It's just like I said, you know, like I've been saying, uh, just want to make an impact when I come in. Uh, obviously, I know I'm not the starter, and I'm okay with that. We way past that. Now it's what I do when I come in the game. It's impacting the game. That's what I want to do. So Terry keeps saying what needs to be said and saying what you would expect him to say. But I do wonder about the minutes, B-Rob, because Marcus Smart is used to playing 30 minutes a game off the bench. Brad Stevens has said in the past he's like a sixth starter. How much will Rozier play, though, when you factor in Smart, Kyrie, Jalen, Gordon? How does this break down? It's going to be hard. They're going to be crushing numbers (laughs) (laughs) to make this work. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, one, I think we've already seen a little bit of this preseason is I think they'll they'll try to go small more three guard where they can, but when that happens, you know someone's gonna have to lose some minutes there. So I think it might be a point where there'll be situations and where I mean even lane games if Rozier is you know he's a great you know catch and shoot three point guy now and if the team really likes his energy there then you know he might be trying to push his way into the conversation for you know, end of game situations. And if that happens, then, you know, like who sits in that spot? And that's where you're going to, you're probably going to have to look at, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then probably in the first month or two of the season, if he's not completely back yet, Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, someone in that group is going to generally have to sit if Rozier is playing. And I think the default is that Rozier is not going to be out there, but if he, you know, kind of, you know, in games here and there really puts the pressure on and is becoming uh, as much of a spark as we've seen on the offensive end of the floor, then, you know, it's going to, you know, I think it might change, honestly, on a night-to-night basis. And I think, that's again, Brad Stevens kind of giving everyone a reality check this past week by calling him out saying how impressive we are. You look at Tatum and Brown, like, Brown for as good as he was last year. Like, you know, there are spots in the first, his rookie year, that he was, you know, sat for long stretches of games because he wasn't, all the way there defensively. And Tatum, for all, for as good as he was last year, remember at the start of last year, where the team pretty much was like, we just want you to shoot threes mm-hmm. and, like, you know, kind of stay out of the way there. And so if he, if either of those guys kind of veer off the path too much and, you know, Tatum ends up taking a ton of long twos that aren't going down, which has happened a bunch during this preseason, like, you know, I don't think you can either of those guys name there's in permanent ink in the the closing five on any given night. And so that's where the Rosier dynamic and the Marcus Smart dynamic as well in terms of who, you know, who's going to help the team win the most, who's the best fit for the guys around them. I think that could 
conceivably change on a on a night to night and opponent to opponent basis. All right, so just for giggles then, because we're talking here in early October, nobody, literally even ourselves, we will not remember this show come April, and maybe it's fodder for you to write a season preview post anyway. But just for fun, I want you to crunch the numbers. I want you to speculate. I'm going to name a guy, some of the ones that we just alluded to, and you tell me how many minutes he's going to average this year. And you got to factor in rest nights and, and that sort of thing. Just blanket what it's going to come down to. How many minutes coming off this knee injury or, or knee surgery, multiple procedures, will Kyrie Irving play? Uh, we'll say 32 minutes a night for Kyrie. Okay, I think that's high. How about Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward, uh, 29. Okay, that feels about the right wheelhouse. I think it's low first half of the year, back half of the year. I think he ramps it up a little bit. So, yeah, 29-30 feels about right for Gordon Hayward. But how how about Terry Rozier? Terry Rozier, let's say 23. Marcus Smart, is he going to hit his usual 30? No, Marcus will be down at 25. Okay. He won't like it, but he got paid. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Brown, just to stay in the wheelhouse of the same positions yeah Jalen let's say 31 for Jalen I wonder just big picture and I really I wanted to focus on the guards so I won't have you do Horford and Tatum on all those guys if if people want that they can tweet at us how many given how how much depth they have on this team there aren't many guys in general last year that even hit 30 minutes a game because Brad didn't want them to it it wasn't as though they couldn't he you know deliberately kept guys down there was I there was some stat at the end of the year that Grandy had that maybe you know it I I can't think of it off the top of my head but it was roughly that not a single member of the Celtics ranked in the top 50 in the NBA in minutes played because obviously I mean injuries came into play but also the fact that Brad deliberately keeps his minutes low how many guys on this team realistically and you don't have to name them but just is Brad going to take that same approach and utilize that depth, or is he going to want guys consistently playing 30, 32 minutes? Do you consider 30, 32 uh, like a high number or a low number from that? Well, I, it's, I yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a high number. It's definitely not a high number, but I wonder yeah. if it's sort of the wheelhouse that he wants to live or if he would consider that low. Yeah, I think, honestly, that's the wheelhouse he wants to live for a couple reasons. One, to maintain these guys for the playoffs and that's you know this was just talking to people around the organization last year that was a very strategic thing even before you know Kyrie was dealing with you know the the knee issues cropping up like you know they wanted he wanted to play a lot more and they wouldn't let him they you know like listen we want to preserve you you've had injury issues throughout your whole career it obviously cropped up anyway there's nothing they could do about an infection that that happened there but you know he put up the best numbers of his career by playing you know that 32 minutes and you look down the rest of the roster, if you want to keep everyone happy, you're not going to be able to afford to play a couple guys in the you know, 34, 35-minute range and in terms of maybe like Jalen or Jason Tatum. Um, Al Horford obviously expects to stick around 30, maybe even dip down even more there since he's the, the senior citizen at the, on the roster at 31. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you know, if you want to keep everyone fully engaged and you know, at least think that they're getting their fair share, then you have to spread the wealth here. And that means, you know, certain guys will get longer runs on certain nights. They have it going, but there will also be nights where they, you know, will play 20 to 25 minutes. Like I expect Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum to randomly have games in the mid to low 20s when they just, you know, don't have it going and, or, and Rozier or Marcus Morris or whoever else is just, you know, firing in all cylinders. So I think that as long as there's an understanding there that it's, you know, we're, we're winning and we're trying to, you know, this is honestly for the bigger picture down the road. I think guys will buy into that. But 
to your point, it will be tough too, since I think part of it is guys building rhythm and with each other. And if that, you know, the the ideal closing five is not on the floor together a ton on any given night, you know, it might take a while, you know, a while for them to, you know, build the chemistry that they need. All right, one more quick break. Today's show is brought to you by Calm Bomb, newest innovation in relaxation. Do you suffer from chronic pain and or anxiety? You want to take your R&R to the next level? Try out Calm Bomb today. How's it different from other bath bombs? Well, first it's made with a patented cannabis oil, which allows the skin to better absorb the CBS. It offers maximum relief to people with chronic pain and anxiety. High-quality CBD opens up your pores for maximum absorption. They're 100% vegan, organic, cruelty-free bath bombs, and they are made right in Boston. Another good thing about Calm Bombs, $5 of your purchase go directly to families in need. Calm Bomb is starting a revolution in relief. Its revolutionary formula ensures the CBD is fully absorbed and every box sold helps struggling moms by donating $5 to charity. Calm Bomb is now searching for crowdfunding partners. Donations inexpensive, rewards long-lasting, and now for a limited time, Listeners of this show can get Calm Bombs at a huge discount by going to buybombshelpmoms.com and clicking on the Indiegogo page. Let's get back to the show. You caught up recently with Al Horford. You guys had a a one-on-one, chatted about his future in an interview on Boston Sports Journal, and uh, he said that Boston feels like home. He can see himself finishing his career with the Seas. Do you think he's prepared to potentially take the salary cut down the line that would require, would be required in order for him to do that? I think it's possible. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. I think a lot of it depends on what happens this year. But, and he wasn't, you know, understandably going to, you know, wanted to go down that road when I talked with him. But if you just look at the writing in the wall of like where he's at in his career, you know, he's going to hit free agency at 32 years old. He's made, I want to say, upwards of 100, $150 million in his career now. And what is he, you know, he's a multiple time all star. He's got a family. They like it in Boston now, too. And so, yeah, like you you have one last payday here. And if you want, you know, to get that ring, then you're probably, your best chance is probably to do it here. And the best chance for that to happen is if you're not taking your full slice of the pie in terms of the salary pie. It kind of reminds me of the situation that, the Celtics had with Paul Pierce back in 2010 where, you know, he could have picked up an option that would have paid him uh, a far bigger salary in 2011, but he turned that down and then instead signed a three- or four-year deal that gave him more you know, long-term security and that also rewarded the Celtics by, you know, paying him less annually and keeping their luxury tax bill down. And that is going to be a concern for the Celtics – heading into this summer because Irving is going to be on, you know, making 35 million plus a year. And then you have Rosier, Marcus Morris, Daniel Tice, whoever the Celtics decide they can pay within that group. You know, there, there's not going to be enough um, for everyone there anyway, but the more that they can get off of Horford's salary for next year, which would be $30 million. He picks up the option. If he makes that, you know, say 20, 22 million, then that's, the Celtics save tens of million dollars in luxury tax penalties, and that's money that can go to the rest of the roster. So we kind of saw out in Golden State with you know Durant sacrificing out there, and you know Clay Thompson not taking the full max when he signed his office rookie deal. Just guys taking sacrifices there in order to keep everyone. I feel like Horford could be a candidate there to do you know 
something similar. Again, getting rewarded with some long-term security, but also, you know, getting less than he, he could on the open market. So that's a good segue for us, too, actually, to go into some comments that Wick Grosbeck made. I don't know if it was a one-on-one with Scott Souza in the Metro West Daily News because he mentioned that he was passing through the locker room, so maybe everybody spoke with him. But this is where I saw it anyway, and he touched on how it was such a relaxing summer for ownership because the two main priorities were bring back Aaron Baines, bring back Marcus Smart. As he put it, there was a mutual admiration society all the way around there. He said the idea of playing this season without Marcus and Aaron, we just weren't going to do that. We wanted everybody back. And as Scott writes, that's because as much as any time since that 2008 championship season and the immediate aftermath, Grosbeck wanted to be all in this year and for the next few years to come. Uh, Wick said, I want to look back and say we gave this absolutely everything that we could. I want this team to be as stacked as we can possibly stack it. To me, that's it's declarative for sure, but also you can't help but wonder, in these next couple of years, given that there isn't this perceived short window like the new Big 3 era had where you kind of looked at it as a three- to six-year window, this is now the Celtics would like to contend for a decade. They'd like to be the Spurs if they could in an ideal world. How prepared is ownership? They've always said they are, but reading between the lines and just your belief, how prepared is ownership to spend, to get deep into the tax if necessary in the coming years to keep this core together or make whatever big trade to acquire another all-star along the way? Yeah, I think I think they're fully engaged on that front, but they're also going to be realistic. And I think they realize that guys like Marcus Morris, who want to play more anyway, you know, they're not going to be able to give him what he deserves um, in terms of the open market. And so when he says he wants, and it's as far as them being fully stacked this year, I think there is a realization that they're not going to be, have, be able to put together the kind of depth they have this year again in the foreseeable future. Once, you know, Kyrie Irving is being paid his full market share and once the likes of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown become eligible for extensions because that's when things are going to get really interesting because, you know, both of those guys can make a case for, you know, max extensions. And, you know, Jalen's obviously could come up as soon as next summer, Tatum the summer of, uh, or the fall of 2020. But the Celtics, even then, like you're, you can't pay five guys on a max deal and, and get away with it. And that's conceivably what a situation they would be facing on that front. If both guys show that they're deserving of it and keep like, guys like Smart and Rosier around at, like, good money, too. So you got to pick, you know, your poison there. you got to pick, okay, who, who's the guys that we can't live without here? Who are the cheaper rookie replacements that we can count on to pick up the slack at, you know, do 80% of what guys do at, you know, 20% of the cost? And so that's why drafting is going to be huge over the next couple of years. That's why, again, consolidating assets into one more all-star, whether that's Anthony Davis, or whoever else might become available in a year or two. Like, that's clearly what the priority is of ownership. They're willing to pay, but they're not going to be paying, you know, hundreds of million dollars in luxury tax fees. And that's what would be required to really keep this, you know, full team together as it is here right now. So it's going to be – this year is going to go a long way in terms of trying them trying to figure out who can't we live without going forward. Is it Rosier or Smart? Is it – Tatum or Brown, like all those pieces, as far as the big picture, the next decade goes, we'll get more clues in terms of who's going to be, you know, part of this championship core for the 
consideration in the next decade. Well, and we won't get into this right now. We'll save this for another time. But uh, just worthy of note anyway is that uh, this team's going to have some pretty good draft picks coming its way in in this next year or two, provided that those aren't traded away and Danny Angel likes to keep them. So that's going to further sort of uh, impact who's on the roster and how many minutes and the salaries of those guys, especially if it is like a second or third overall pick in this next coming draft and and all of that. But where uh, where I want to wrap, a couple of things relate to the annual GM survey that came out. Brad Stevens, not Greg Popovich, voted the best head coach in the NBA. 47% of the vote was also first in best in-game adjustments, ranks in the top five for his defensive schemes, skills as a motivator. Does this mean Stevens will actually get a vote from his peers at the end of the season, or is that still going <laughs> to reek of jealousy? What do you think? I think the GMs just felt bad. They rigged the break the deck for him yeah danny's Um, calling around lobbying his guys right well you know brad's got pretty good job security yeah so the you know many of the coaches just thought hey we want you know we're going to take care of our guy Dwayne casey who might be on shaky ground didn't help and uh no it didn't help (laughs) um should announce that award even earlier yeah uh, this coming year but yeah i mean i mean the steven's job speaks for itself and Again, with what he did, with the talent that he had, you know, the hand he was dealt last year, you know, was superb. And, you know, clearly all the GMs around the league sees that. It's why with Grosbeck, you know, signed him to six years and then probably even two or three years into that deal, wanted to tack on another, who knows how long, probably another five or six to that initial deal. And, yeah, I mean, now I think it's going to be really fun to see what Stevens has to work with now, now that he's this is the first summer he's kind of known what his roster is and also has all the talent to that he would want at any position. And obviously it hasn't been the the smoothest start that we, he would have wanted, but whatever, the preseason's the preseason. He's got plenty of time to still figure that out in the next couple of weeks. And when this team is running at all cylinders, I think uh, there's no question that Stevens is the guy that can get the most out of them. And uh, last one for you here, Jason Tatum. He finished second on that survey in the who will have a breakout season category with 10% of the vote. Sees faced the Cavaliers for a couple of games this preseason. Before the first, Cavs coach Ty Lue said that Jason Tatum's game has no ceiling, that going forward, you know, he's he's 20, he could be, who knows, Hall of Fame. But I do wonder, as much as I agree with a lot of that, in the immediate, you know, just in, in the present, where we are right now in, in what is a stacked roster where he's not even the top scoring option and he's not necessarily an all-star and he doesn't have the cachet that Irving, that Hayward, that even Horford to some degree have in terms of the league. Are we possibly overhyping what we can realistically expect from him this year now that those guys are healthy? Yeah, I mean, it's like just looking at his numbers from last year, I mean, he averaged... 14 points a game and shot 43% from three. And like, I don't like, I don't know how much more you can break out from that. Like, like you said, given the circumstances he's going to be dealing with this year, if this was, if he was on some random, you know, lottery team where he was the, the clear number one option, then like, sure. Yeah. He's, he would continue to put up, you know, great individual numbers, but he's going to get a lot fewer opportunities this year on a nightly basis, or at least, you know, definitely not add to what he had last year. And so that's that. It's going to be hard for him, I feel like, to match these numbers fully, especially from a percentage standpoint. I mean, like forty-three percent from three-point range. Like for a guy who was an average three-point shooter in college, like 
pretty damn it's, good. That's pretty. That's pretty damn good. Like I don't know. Uh, I would. I would bet on a, a regression on that, which wouldn't be bad at all. Like if you're shooting in the high 30s from three this year, that's still great. And the Celtics would take that any day of the week. So uh, it's, it is hard just to you know in terms of what he can do from a skill set level, some of his moves on the floor. Like yeah, there'll definitely be continual flashes there, and you know he could again. If you want to consider that breakout stuff, then go ahead. But, yeah, just realistically with just the amount of talent on this team, like the Celtics don't need him to break out more. If they can just do what he did last year, then that's, you know, they would take that any day of the week because some guys can just regress a little bit in any particular year, and it's going to be really hard for him to, to match these uh, overall numbers. All right, Brian Robb from the Boston Sports Journal. ton of great stuff for joining me uh, here throughout the show. We covered a lot of different things. You should read him. I encourage you to do so. you got to pay, but he's worth it. So check him out at bostonsportsjournal.com. B-Rob, thank you very much, buddy. Thanks for having me. Great stuff once again from B-Rob, but now we got to go. Episode 283 featuring Brian Robb. It's brought to you by RX Bar. My listeners get 25% off their first order by going to rxbar.com slash Celticsbeat. Use the promo code CELTICSBEAT. Today's episode also brought to you by Calm Bomb. Right now, my listeners, for a limited time, can get Calm Bombs at a huge discount by going to their website, buybombshelpmoms.com, and click on the Indiegogo page. So thanks again to everybody, most especially you, but the whole team at CLNS as well, because without them, without you, there's no show, and then I just got to do something else to fill my time, and I just like talking about the Celtics. Subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes, and soon enough, we are less than a couple weeks away. Regular season basketball, real stuff, real issues, real games, real plays, things that matter, and stats that count. I'm looking forward to it. So is Gino. 